0: And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO, and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
1: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, it's going to be the mailbag day. We're going to go in and look at a bunch of emails that I've received and uh, parse through them. Also, I'm going to start out here today with just a little um, news update. Uh, Marcus and Bill Chap put their president, Hassan Haji, or however you pronounce that, on uh, Fox News with uh, Marina Bartomolona, if that's pronounced right, I don't know. Uh, But they did a a little update on where the the housing economy is. Uh, When the video came out, it was named, is U.S. housing market in recession? That's how they titled it. So, I thought it was interesting. I better follow it up and watch it. So, I did, and here's what they came up with. Number 1, Marcus and Milchap admitted that interest rates are probably going to continue to go up. Now, why is that important? Because not three weeks, six weeks ago, they said that, well, you know, they think that probably, you know, the recession is probably not going to happen and that the economy is, you know, still strong because employment is still high. And you have to understand that these guys sell real estate. They can't tell too dark of a story that runs off all of their clients, right? So they were saying, well, it looks like it might be turning around. The inflation has slowed down. It's come down a point or two or whatever it did. A couple hundred basis points. And, but then it turned right around February and went back up again. So they had to come back and admit that, well, you know, maybe not. It's going to be this and it. Point I'm making to you is you can't really trust these guys to tell you more than just the facts. If you take the facts and you don't take their analysis of the facts, you're probably going to be okay. Uh, the basic facts are interest rates are going to still keep going up. The Fed has said they're still going to raise interest rates. The next point was that consumer sentiment is down. And this was a big point that uh, Hassan was bringing up. He's saying that, look, it doesn't even matter whether or not there is a recession. People are starting to believe there's going to be a recession. And because of that, they're starting to look at their medium to long-term planning to cut back. So doubling up on housing... And this is what happens in housing. Is people don't just disappear. There's always going to be a need for people to have housing. You say, well, how can, you know, if you're if all these apartment complexes are next to full, how can they become empty? Well, where did all these people go? they got to live somewhere, right? And where they go is they double up. They move back in with their parents is one of the first things that happens. They find a roommate. You know, so two people rent one apartment. Whereas before they COVID, they wanted the whole apartment to themselves. So they had space. So they make one bedroom, an office, the other bedroom, their bedroom, et cetera, et cetera. And so people, you know, just kind of expanded out within themselves. Now they will contract. And as they contract, as this so-called potential recession is looming, um, you'll see people move back in with their parents and again, find roommates, et cetera, et cetera. They also will find less expensive housing. So you'll see a lot of trading down for places to live. Now, people won't go below a certain level. It's just there's A class, B class, C class, and no class at all. And you won't see people transcend too much of a class. They may go from uh, an A plus to an A minus or from an A to a B. They might move one class, but they're not going to go from an A to a C. It's just not going to happen. Never will, never has, never will, et cetera, et cetera. So they will consolidate instead of moving down to housing they can afford in most cases so they can still maintain the quality of housing that they're living in. Now, I'm telling you that is my experience. That's not Marcus and Milchap telling you that, but that's just what I've seen. I think that they pretty much agree to that, though. Also, I'm I'm not— co-opting that information um, on and on. It goes that with this consumer sentiment going down, you know, there's going to be lots of problems because people will stop buying furniture. People will stop buying homes. People will stop buying cars. People will stop spending money on extravagant clothes and so on and so forth. And so he's saying that all retail real estate, all commercial real estate, along with housing real estate, is going to see some challenges. Now, he goes on and says, she asked, well, are we really in a recession or not? That's Marie asking him. And he says, well, yes, we are, being that there's a 40% decline in housing sales in the last 12 months. Now, I was out with some Democrats the other day, and they're telling you that the economy is perfect. That, that, you know, that Biden has made all these incredibly good moves, that the economy is it's working out just like he thought it would. And uh, you've all heard it. It's just his own illusion, you know, for whatever reason, they allow somebody like that that lives in a delusional world to lead us. You know, you guys voted him in. And so you have to live with him. Right. But the reality is it's down forty percent. Also, it came out in February, it's down another five percent in February. So it's you know, it's declining. Housing sales are declining. Now what does that mean to you? Well, unbeknownst to the average person, it's a positive to us real estate investors. Most real estate during upward trending markets is sold for more than what it's worth. It's it's a pro forma. Value, In other words, I own it, and the only reason I'm going to sell is because you're going to give me more than what it's worth because you think it's going to be worth even more than that. The problem is nobody sells the property for what it's really worth, and stupid people pay more than what it's really worth. And it's been ingrained into the system. So what happens in a recession, what happens in a downward-turning market, a buyer's market, is where people start paying for what stuff's really worth. They're not stealing it. They're getting it for what it's really worth, which is well enough to make a profit with it. Um, To me, this is the time and place you should be buying. Today we are going to the mailbag and discussing just whatever emails happen to fall out here. This next one's a rather self-aggrandizing one, uh, I will admit. Uh, It starts like this, uh, this message is to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I've just completed the two-day seminar in Houston, uh, conducted by Brian, and uh, it was phenomenal. I've learned more about real estate investing in two seminars, a two day seminar than in any other real estate guru program in which I've attended and invested tens of thousands of dollars and accomplished nothing. I have spent over $80,000 in real estate programs such as Dave Grazio and uh, Fortune Builders and other gurus. I was so naive back then, now looking back at my mistakes. Uh, I know that you are familiar with Rich Dad and Robert Kiyosaki. You are familiar with Are you familiar with Dean DiGracio and Fortune Builders? Yes, I've heard of both of these. I don't know these guys. I've seen De, um, Dean DiGracio speak. He has no idea what he's talking about at all. It's obvious he's never done any of what he's talking about. Uh, goes on and says, "I could write chapters about." how I bought real estate deals in a box, such as unseen turnkey properties in Detroit, Michigan, uh, from these gurus and all the money I've lost uh, from my savings and IRA investing in these deals. So that's what these guys are doing. They're selling them these turnkey deals. And uh, so they've got somebody out there that's buying this stuff cheap, fixing it up, slapping some paint on it and selling it to some poor sucker who doesn't know what he's doing uh, in a place that's a really bad place to own real estate. That's why they can buy it cheap going on and say anyway not to make these emails go long i'm glad someone close to me shared a youtube video of some lifestyles unlimited case studies and your powerful speeches you made some incredibly valid points in many of the videos thank you for being strong voice that i needed to hear to get me excited about doing real estate properly and the word there is properly, as I underline that word. Thank you for visiting Houston two-day seminar and answering our questions. I went in the other day, because the marketplace is moving so rapidly right now, I went in after the seminar and gave just a little talk about where the marketplace was at, answered some questions for people to try to figure out where they should start in this particular type of marketplace. So, that's what that's about. It says, I hope to qualify one day for you to interview me on the Del Homsley Radio Show. I look forward to talking to you soon. Well, I look forward to talking to you soon also. Typically, though, it takes a couple years to uh, really develop a great portfolio that we can, uh, you know, bring you on the radio and share your results. It's not an overnight success kind of event. Hopefully, though, you'll get that as quick as possible. The next one said, um, I don't know if you remember me. Let's see how much time I got here. Okay, don't know if you remember me, but when I saw you at the gym last, before Thanksgiving, and I asked you if I should buy now or wait a bit until prices drop more, you said, in effect, don't try to find the bottom. Just buy deals if they make sense. So I bought a house in San Antonio a week later and did the refi two weeks ago. $11,000 out of pocket I made $40,000 equity capture and a cash on cash return of 22%. Buying another one just as soon as possible. Thanks for the great advice. There you go, folks. Very good point. I happened to be working out, and this guy came up to me and started talking to me and asked me this question You know, should I? uh, you, You keep talking about the market going down, the market going down, market going down. Should I wait, try to catch the bottom market? I said, No, you'll miss the bottom market. What happens if markets go down rapidly, then they bounce, and they go back up rapidly, and you miss the opportunities. If you buy on the way down in a market and continue to buy all the way down, even when it bounces, if you're quick, you might get one or two more properties before it goes back up. But it bounces much quicker than it goes down. So you've got to buy on the way down. And what you need to understand is once it bounces back up, all of your properties go up in value instantly. It's just like massive wealth all at once. Boom. And. I've I've gone through that multiple times, guys, and it's just the most incredible thing in the world to see everybody crying in their you know their Cheerios, where well, where well, where well, the market's going down, prices are going down, we're going to lose our, our our you know our, lose our stuff here, blah 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 blah, and you just keep buying and buying and buying on the way down. Then the second that thing hits the bottom, boom, and it jumps back up. Then all of a sudden people go, well, we can't even afford prices houses anymore; they're too expensive go. Well, I own a bunch of them. (laughs) I bought them when the prices were lower well you know we really didn't see that it could work you know we didn't have any money back then we didn't have any credit back then we didn't have this we didn't have that there's always an excuse why people don't do it when it's the right time to do it so as i started to show off telling you today as i've been telling you now for the last three to six months it is time to be buying houses left and right all of them you can get your hands on we're making massive returns my my brokers agents and mentors are all telling me incredible stories week after week, month after month, about how we're tearing it up out there. You need to get out there and tear it up. If you don't, then you'll miss out. Now, think about what this guy did. I don't think you guys really understand this, so I'm going to go back over it very quickly here. This guy put down $11,000 to buy this house. Now, we have all kinds of tricks to keep those down payments down from $25,000, 30000 50000 like most people pay. We'll teach you that stuff. Secondly, he captured $40,000 worth of equity. In other words, he bought the house $40,000 below what it's actually appraised for. And that could be an after-repair appraisal. He made that much money, in other words, bought it even cheaper than that, rehabbed it, and by the time he rehabbed it, the after-repair appraisal is $40,000 more than what he's got in it. So he made $40,000 on an $11,000 investment. That's a 400% return. Think about that. Four hundred. How, how long does it take you to get rich when you're earning 400% return? How long would it take you to be in the stock market to earn 400% return? And then he goes on and says, and hey, my cash on cash is 22%. So now that he made that instant 400% gain over the first two months or three, whatever it took to buy it, rehab it, and get it back out there, he then is now making, on that deal, 22%. So, why would you want to sell a property that makes you 22% return? If I had a CD earning earned 22%, I sure wouldn't cash that in. And if I have a rent house earning 22%, I'm not going to sell it either. We'll be right back with the Dell Walmsley Radio Show.
0: With a roadmap to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Lifestyles Unlimited, success stories. If you got laid off tomorrow, what would you do? Would you have to be working at McDonald's or wait to try and find another job with the downsizing the economy? Kept on coming to meetings, even with David Fisher online and stuff like that, but still, we just like, we need to make the jump.
1: So we kept praying for time to get this job done to, to be able to find the properties. How do we find the properties? How do you find the time? And God answered our prayers and he got downsized from his corporate job. This house was a dog and through the rehab,
0: I think we turned it into a little pony. You
1: bought the house for $73,000 and your appraised value actually is $144,000. You put in forty five dollars worth of work so that leaves you a net equity of 11000 with a return on capital gain of seventy. The cash flow is $458 a month for a cash-on-cash return rate of 35%.
0: Join us this month and learn from people just like you. Check in-person and online dates at lucasestudy.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now, your host, Dell Wamsley.
1: Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we are going to the mailbag and discussing just whatever emails happen to fall out here. And the next one that popped up here was, uh, Hi, Dell, Hope you're well. I just want to know your thoughts on short-term rentals such as Airbnb and on mid-term rentals such as one to six months. You seem to prefer only one-year rentals, Susan. Uh, yes, yeah, Susan, there's lots of reasons to it. What we do is we do this t- as a business. And it's not the money, it's the lifestyle theory it has always been, you know, the way I've progressed on this thing, or w- way I've focused, is a better way of saying it, uh, in my life. And the idea is that the real money is made on somebody moving into your property, living there for three, four, five years, and paying you every month for three, four, five years, and you not needing to go back in and do anything. The concept of a short-term rental is more like a hotel environment. It's a situation where you've got to do something every time somebody moves in or out. You've got to go in and clean the place and or repair whatever they've damaged and or uh, find a new person to put in there. But it's a constant turnover-type situation. Now, that's all the way over here to Airbnb is like the hotel business. In between one- to six-month rentals, Is the worst of both worlds. Now you've got somebody living there long enough to tear the place up and very little security deposit to protect yourself from it in many cases. So we don't like to do it, period. Plus the fact that it's work. Our maintenance men have to go back in and do something, you know? And again, doing something costs money. It just really does. It's just more work, more hassle, more damage, more, um, you know, wear and tear on the unit and so on and so forth. Now, what do I think of all this? I don't like it at all. Never have liked it. A lot of people like Airbnbs because of the things they're, that they are doing with them in their own mind. Number one, and here is the biggest reason people like Airbnbs. It's because it gives you an excuse to buy an expensive piece of real estate in an area you want to live in or would like to visit. People think that, you know. We all, they think that all people like the same thing. And so if I, you know, if I can get an Airbnb close to the water, if I can get an Airbnb close to the mountains, I can get an Airbnb in a, you know, a vacation area, whatever. In that situation, I'm owning something really nice that I'd, I'd even like to own. And I can rent it out and make money from it. And then I own this nice piece of real estate thinking that nice pieces of real estate appreciate the quickest so the challenge to that is they almost always overpay for these properties and the reason these properties are able to make enough money to make it worthwhile to do that is because they charge exorbitant rental fees i mean very high rental fees and people pay it get to just to be able to get to stay in this expensive house type of thing etc cetera, etc cetera. so why am i against that if they're able to get those exorbitant fees well a couple of reasons number one And this is just a very generic one. What if you can't get those fees? What if all of a sudden there's a COVID or something and nobody's renting in these exotic places? Now you got a problem. Number two, those expensive houses may not go up in value as much as you think. And the maintenance and repair in the long run of something that nice could end up being very expensive. Again, that's just an excuse. You know, that's just another reason that that. You might not want to do this compared to you might want to do this, right? They, they might have a thousand reasons against that, that they don't have to operate this thing because they have a management company that operates it. They find the tenants, they move them in, they schedule the, you know, the short-term tenants, they have a cleaning company comes in and cleans after they leave, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they say, I really don't do anything. This is an easy gig. All right. Now I drop the hammer. Now I tell you what's going on. What's going on is these things are going away. And they're going away, and you're going to be stuck with that expensive piece of real estate and won't be able to do anything with it. Why are they going away? Well, let's talk about maybe five different reasons are going away. Let's start with the people that live in the subdivisions where these things are at. People in those subdivisions don't want these things there. These people you rent to are not normal human beings. People that will rent in short-term rentals and pay exorbitant fees are there because they want to party. And party they will. And the neighbors don't like that. Uh, They don't like these homes in their subdivisions, in their areas that have all these people coming and going that they don't know who these people are. Um, They feel like there's a security risk in this and so on and so forth. So what happens? Uh, Very high percentage of homeowners associations around the country are outlawing these things. I've spoke to many, don't know the exact number, but many, real estate investors, that got stuck with their property. They paid all this money for this expensive piece of property. Now they don't know what to do with it because they can no longer do the Airbnb because the association outlawed it. Number two, cities don't like it. Why do cities not like it? Because if you go to a hotel, you pay hotel tax, and that goes to the city and that goes to the state. And by them going to your place, you're not paying the hotel tax, although I will tell you that in some cities, in some states, they have passed law just recently to where you now do have to pay the hotel tax and all the fees that are associated with leasing short term. And boy, I bet you didn't figure that one into your calculations when you bought that thing. That's going to take a major bite out of this whole thing and just the reporting aspect of it. Every time somebody moves in, you got to track it, you got to report you collected the fees, you got to pay the fees in, etc., cetera, et cetera, It's going to make this an onerous type operation to operate. Next one, hotels don't like this because you're stealing their business. And so hotels have lobbies. Big lobbies, and they're lobbying against the state to make sure that you get this thing made illegal, that you cannot do it. So, these lobbies are pushing hard, spending lots of money to get rid of your Airbnb rights. Uh, Between the subdivision, Homeowners Association, and the people that live there, between the hotels that you're stealing their business from, the cities and states that you're stealing their uh, hotel tax from, and the major lobbies pushing these people to realize that this is a bad thing, I believe, personally, that Airbnb is going to be almost extinct within another year or so. Um, You're going to be stuck with some expensive pieces of real estate and not be able to do anything with them. And uh, that's my prediction. If I'm wrong, good for you. (laughs) If I'm right, oh my gosh. I'm so sorry you didn't think that through or you didn't have the information soon enough. Now that you've got the information, maybe I've saved just one or two people from falling prey to that which is going to happen here in the near future. Let's see what we got next here. And I gotta look at the clock here, guys, because some of these emails go pretty long. They find me a little short one here. There's a little short one. Let's hope this works. It says I am sixty-six years old, trying to look and feel good in my clothes getting rid of dad bod and regaining strength from an elbow surgery after a bicycle accident two months ago. I used to ride 30 miles a week. Now it's back to the gym five days a week. All right, 66 years of age, you're going to make a decision in your life. And that decision is, do you want to be lean and mean, fighting machine? In which case, and I've done this, I've gone on this kind of route, where all you do is a rope. You do cardiovascular, ride the bike every day. I used to ride the bike an hour or two a day just to see what it would do. And I lost lots of weight. Unfortunately, I lost lots of muscle also. And it doesn't matter when you're young. You know, your body just maintains muscle pretty well. But when you get older, you start losing muscle mass. I've lost massive amounts of muscle mass, and I know it because I can feel it. You know, you go to do something that's just a normal thing to do. You're just not strong anymore. You don't have that core strength you used to have. And so I think once you get to be a certain age, 60 years of age or better, maybe 50 years of age or better, whatever it really is, I don't know. You need to start doing some resistance exercise. You have to lift some weights. And you gotta make sure you lift some weights on every body part, not just one. You see these guys go in the gym and they work their arms all day long or their chest. And so they got a big chest and big arms and they got skinny little legs and no calves and fat guts. I mean it just blows my mind what these guys do and you think they think they're exercising, they think they're getting fit by working their arms and their chest. It just, it isn't working, guys. Uh, But I will also say this to you, and this is a very important point. When it comes to being in shape, being physically fit, 80, 90% of it is diet. If I eat a certain way, I gain weight. If I eat a certain way, I lose weight. If I do a certain kind of workout while I eat a certain way, I gain muscle. If I uh, eat a certain way while I exercise with weights, I lose weight. It's just, you know there's a combination of things you do that work. There's no guessing at it, really. It just, you do the right thing or you don't do the right thing. And if you do the right thing, you can maintain your muscle mass as you get older and you don't become weak and frail. I came up with something when I was much younger. I said, you know, the the one or two things I've seen in my life that just totally drive me crazy, not in a mean way, but in a empathetic, sympathetic way. Uh, sympathetic if it happens to me. <laughs> Empathetic while I watch it happen to somebody else. But have you ever seen old people whose shoulders just roll over forward? Uh, or they're just a little hunched over and they got like a bump in their back and they just kind of all kind of balled over? Or can barely walk and they like shuttle their feet? I mean, Joe, Biden's doing it right now. But his is Alzheimer's, I think, is some other type of mental problem. Uh, but there comes this point where people get old and they, they can't even balance themselves anymore. They've lost all their muscular control of their core and their extremities. And they can't walk. They can't move, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a matter of not working out, not maintaining muscle mass. It's a natural process for you to lose muscle mass as you get older and to atrophy away. Um, but man, seeing those kinds of things where people can't move, it just frightens the bejeebers out of me. And so I do everything I can. In fact, I'll tell you one of the strangest things, and I don't know if anybody else runs into this, but I'm 66 now, so I'm getting old. Um, the ability to get up off of the ground. I was, you know, I, I've been aware of this for some time now that. Just to be able to get down on the ground safely, do your core exercises, and then to be able to get your legs back up underneath of you, push yourself up with your arms, or pull yourself out of a, out of a swimming pool by putting your arms in the edge of the pool and pulling yourself up. Um, but really getting up off the ground and twisting yourself around and being able to get up and pop up, whereas we used to do those burpee things where you done football, you'd run in place and you'd drop to your belly and you push back up and you jump back up and go back down. And, man... There is no way when you're 67 years old you can do burpees. It just isn't going to happen. If you can, then more power to you. But those are the kinds of things you lose, is those mobility issues that you want to watch out for and take care of in your life. Uh, It's very important to do that. And so I actually at some point got to the point where, after a couple operations ago, I could barely get up off the ground. So I started making an exercise just to get up off the ground. And I started by just touching my toes and bending and stretching and then going down to my knees and getting back up off of my knees and then going down to my knees and then to my into like a push-up position and getting back up and then sitting down and twisting myself around and putting my butt on the mat and then being able to twist myself back around and get it back and to spin over. And um, by the way, I have a torn rotator cuff in my shoulder, so spinning over is painful for me too because you got you got to leverage yourself on one of your two shoulders and then you got to catch yourself on the other shoulder as you spin over and plop down. And so those became it became very obvious to me that I was starting to get into that position that I couldn't even do normal things like get up off and down the ground. So last night um, we had the big puppies. We have two big huskies and we have a little camochon poodle type thing mix. And they're all in the video room with me and I, I just felt Good. I got down on the floor with the puppies, and they laid down on their back. They always lay down and put their bellies up for me to rub them, because ever since they were puppies, I've done this thing called spa time, and they go, spa time, and they just lay down and roll their bellies up, and all three dogs, boom, 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 lay down, put their bellies up, and I got down on that ground, and I laid there with them and rubbed their bellies and played around with them, and my gosh, it felt so good to be able to get down there and do that and not be afraid I couldn't get back up or not be able to maintain a position while I was rubbing their bellies and so on and so forth. And, you know, when you do stuff like that, it really makes you think about it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. At my age, I got a lot of money, and I would, you know, uh, care to have a life. You know, having a lot of money without a life is useless. I heard a guy tell a story many, many years ago about— this very rich guy that owned all these ships, and he was the guy that married uh, Kennedy. I forgot his name now. Um, that's terrible. This guy was very famous. He's one of the richest guys in the world for a long time. And uh, he he got sick, and he told the guy to massage him. He, he paid for every kind of doctor, every kind of masseuse he could get. And um, he told the guy, I'll give you a million bucks if you can figure out how to massage my legs well enough, I can walk again. Million dollars is nothing. Walking is everything. All right, have a great day. Remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. We'll see you tomorrow.